Sisters and brothers, I have a question for you that I hope you will uh, keep with you, not just uh, this morning, but uh, certainly as we leave this place as well. The question is, what difference does reading the Bible make for the Christian heart? Now, I've heard many people answer that question by saying something like, well, reading the Bible is important because every time you read it, you, you learn something new. You see something new that you didn't see before. Amen? Amen. Or they might say, well, you, you might read a passage, the same passage, three, four, five times, but each time you notice something else important. Amen? Amen. Now, sisters and brothers, I'm going to both affirm that idea and challenge it. I'm going to affirm it because it's happened way too many times to me where I read a familiar story and what I thought I knew about that story, God's spirit shows me something new, something I never would have seen before. So I'll affirm with you that as we read scripture, we notice things. But I'm going to challenge that idea about scripture because you know who else says things like that? Like, I read something one time, then I read it again and learned something new. Or I read the same thing and something else caught my attention. You know who else says things like that? People who read, period. I have heard many people who have said the same thing about reading Harry Potter books. Or any other classical literature. That, oh man, I read this when I was uh, a teenager. Later on in life I read it and it took on a whole new meaning. So anybody who reads anything has the ability to say, wow, this isn't always the same when you read it. And so I think because of that, reflecting a little more on our question is worth our time. And the question is, what difference does reading the Bible make for the Christian heart? Now, usually when we talk about Jesus, somewhere along the line, we're going to talk about those Pharisees, aren't we? Oh, those Pharisees, they're always getting in Jesus' business. They're always trying to make a hard time for Jesus. But today we're not going to talk about the Pharisees necessarily. In fact, in our reading, we actually heard about another religious group. Which group was that? The Sadducees, right? And it's so sad, you see, because... <laughs> the... <laughs> Y'all do pray for your pastor, right? All right, amen. The Sadducees are a religious group of leaders, fairly similar, at least in, in their position, as the Pharisees. But there's a few differences that I think are worth noting. The first is... The Sadducees seem to hold a very literal view of Scripture, whereas the Pharisees tended to prioritize the traditions surrounding a text. The Pharisees, excuse me, the Sadducees tended to be part of the wealthy class. These were the rich guys. These were the people who had all the money and all the power. And the Pharisees tended to be more associated with us common people. Y'all with me? The Sadducees, their authority rested primarily in the temple, whereas the Pharisees' authority rested in the synagogue. 
And remember this, there's the temple, the one temple, and then there's all the local synagogues. And probably, uh, at least if it's not the best, it's a very good illustration of that. Think about our Catholic sisters and brothers. There's every local Catholic church here in Corpus, but then there's the Vatican, right? And it's the same for, for Jesus' day. And so in Jesus' day, the Pharisees, they had more authority in every local congregation But it was the Sadducees who had the power in the temple. Now, I'll tell you all that just to kind of familiarize you with this group of people. But the the, the biggest difference that I think is important for us today is this. The Sadducees did not believe in an afterlife. They believed that when you died, your spirit died too. That death was final. Well, Jesus has other opinions, doesn't he? So if we think about this idea that they have about what the afterlife is or isn't, it seems funny then they come to Jesus with this story that they've kind of put together. And you could say that they're trying to test Jesus. They've already been shown to side with the Pharisees to try to test him a little bit. They could be testing him with this story, but I think they may also be trying to ridicule him. Maybe even ridicule him and the Pharisees who hold sort of a similar opinion that there is an afterlife. Angels and all these kinds of things. And I say that because if you look at the story they tell, the scenario, it's actually kind of silly. What they are showing is that they really have no belief in the afterlife because they're saying, hey, Jesus, there was... Uh, uh, one of us, we, we had a wife, uh, but uh, one of us died, and so she got passed on to the brother, and he died. She got passed on to the other brother, and she gets passed on to the brothers seven different times. Now, that should sound, one, it should sound wrong to us all these years later, amen? But I even think it sounds a little silly. What they're doing is they're taking a Levitical uh, rule and, and, and trying to... Do something with it. It was very biblical for the, the people of Jesus' day. If, if a wife, and her husband passed away, because of what would happen to her as a widow in this time, she'd be left with nothing. She'd have nobody to care for her. It was customary for the, hus- the brother of the husband who passed away to take on the wife of the brother. Y- y'all with me? See, but that doesn't really matter because what they're doing is they're saying, all right, here's this rule we have. Now watch this. What if it happened one time? What if it happened two times? What if it happened three, four, five, six, seven times? Then what's going to happen in your little afterlife, Jesus? (laughs) I love, anybody love Jesus? See, I love Jesus because of the salvation stuff. I love Jesus because I, I actually love Jesus because he's also pretty sarcastic sometimes. So they, the Sadducees, they bring this scenario to Jesus and they ask him, well, what's going to happen to her? Who is going to be her husband now in that afterlife of yours? And you know what Jesus said to her. We just read it, right? He doesn't answer their question first. What he says is, I love this response. He says, you are wrong because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. Jesus addresses their true fault before saying anything about their silly question. And their true fault is that they had been reading Scripture all their life and missing the power 
of God. I feel like Jesus was saying two things to them. First, that to deny the resurrection is to deny the power of God. And secondly, that life is different after the resurrection. What he says is, to answer their question, is she's not going to belong to anybody. Nobody's going to be married in the resurrection because things are going to be different in that day. And again, this group of religious leaders, this group of people, people of God, had read the Bible, had read their scripture all their life, probably had so much of it memorized, probably read it, studied it every single day of their life, and even still... They missed the power of God. Sisters and brothers, hear me when I say that everything about our life is changed by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Everything about our life is changed by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Colossians 3 reminds us that since you have been what? Raised with Christ... Strive for the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. What Colossians is saying is since God has raised you, you've been resurrected as well. And since that's true, the whole direction of your life changes. The whole focus of your life is different than when it was before you were raised with God. Everything changes. The Apostle Paul once said, may I never boast of anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is anything, but a new creation is everything. See, the Apostle Paul, at one point, he's, he has to deal with people who are arguing about the Bible. Do you believe that? There's some people who argue about things in the Bible. And so the Apostle Paul is realizing that this arguing is taking people away from the power of God. That some of the things that are being taught are not actually from God. They're not the things of Jesus, not the things that we learned about Jesus. And what he tries to tell them is that what you're arguing about doesn't matter. A new creation is what matters. Because, hear me again, sisters and brothers, everything about our life is changed. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So let me ask you this. Where did we first learn of the resurrection of Jesus? Now, maybe you'd say, well, I learned it from my grandma. Praise God for grandparents, right? Amen. Or maybe I learned it from a Sunday school teacher. Or maybe I learned it from a pastor. Or maybe I, I, read, I heard about it on TV. But the reality is, we first learned of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from where? Scripture, the Bible. And so I think it's not, it's, not, uh, it's, it's not a far stretch to say that even how we read the Bible is different, is changed because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So here are the Sadducees. They come and they bring this, they bring this silly situation to Jesus and they say, what's going to happen to her and to the family once they get to the resurrection? Wink, wink, resurrection. Ha, ha. And Jesus says, you're wrong. You don't know the scripture and you don't know the power of God. He gives them the strong word. So let me ask you, what do you think the Sadducees did next?
Do you think they said to themselves, you know what, he's right. God showed us the power of God. He's right. I'm, I'm going to change the way I read the Bible. I was wrong. Because you know how people are always so willing to admit that they're wrong. <clears throat> or do you think maybe they just said, okay, and went on as usual? Sisters and brothers, we actually had the same choice those Sadducees had that day. Either we can learn and desire to see the power of God in Scripture like Jesus is talking about, or we can go on as usual, like I'm pretty sure the Sadducees did. Some of the most, for me personally, some of the most convicting words I've heard about Scripture don't come from a Christian preacher. don't come from some Bible study. They actually come from someone of the Hindu faith. You all, I'm sure, are familiar with Gandhi and some of his work. And this is what he says at one point. He says, you Christians look after a document, Bible. You look after a document containing enough dynamite to blow all civilization to pieces, to turn the world upside down, and to bring peace to a battle-torn planet. But you treat it as though it is nothing more than a piece of literature. That's somebody outside of our faith seeing something about our scripture and the way we interact with it. Gandhi was a Hindu man. And he recognized the power within our tradition, our scripture. What about you? Do we realize what power these words have for us as the body of Christ? It seems like we have a choice today, just like the Sadducees. Either we can take Jesus up on this idea that there is something powerful about knowing and experiencing God through Scripture? Or we can just go on with the way we do life as is. Sisters and brothers, that is our choice today. It's our choice every day. I hope that as the body of Christ, as we continue to seek to be faithful followers of Jesus Christ, that we would not see this we would not see these words as anything other than the power of God revealed and available to us as God's people. Amen? So, 